This is the beginning of part three. Question number 24. What is the best protocol to record in telephone quality, mono or stereo? I don't know what the best is, and I could probably be doing better. I do get some complaints. I remember just looking on YouTube, I got a comment that said my audio was the worst audio on the Internet. I don't know what interview he was listening to. I've got a lot of older audio interviews on my site that I was using this online product. Oh, I forgot what it was called, but it was this software that allowed me to record the conversations online, and it was really bad compared to my Sony. But when you're doing a phone audio interview, you've got to understand, I can have the highest recording studio, like a radio station, right here in my home on my end. But if I'm interviewing you, Ben, and you don't have that and you're on the phone, I'm going to sound like this radio announcer from NBC, you know, on the 50th floor, and you're just going to sound like this little guy on the phone. I don't want to sound better than you. You know, when I'm doing an interview, I want us to sound pretty much both the same. And the way I do it, I record with my Sony player. I save that file as a WAV file. Now, the difference between a WAV file and an MP3 file, the WAV file is a little bit bigger and a better quality. You can save that WAV file before you convert it onto your computer because you may want to use that if you're going to burn a CD-ROM from it and you want to create physical products, so it would be nice to have a better quality recording. You may even want to record your interviews in stereo. I don't do much physical products anymore, so I don't, but that'd probably be good advice, is to do your recording when you upload the recording into your GoldWave or your editing software. You can save the file as a stereo file and as a WAV file, which is a pretty good quality. Just put that aside, and then you can use that if you choose to come out with a physical product. But I save mine as a mp3 file mono and there's numbers to it it's at 22,050 hertz hz mono 24 kpbs kilobytes per second now this number is really important because the audio terminator product when i upload my finished edited audio interview they have where you can upload your edited audio interview onto their service and then it'll convert it into that play button it will not convert it unless you're uploading it at this level 22,050 hertz mono actually you could do it stereo but it's got to be 22,050 hertz 24 kilobytes per second so I need to keep it at that rate for my play buttons on the Internet. I'm limited in that way. Also, you want to keep in mind the size of these files. One great thing about audio interviews is they're viral. If you want this great quality sounding recording and you upload it to your site, these files are going to be huge. You know, the Internet's improving in speed, but it may be a 50-meg file, and people are going to get frustrated if they have to wait an hour to download it, even with high-speed Internet access. You don't want your file so huge that it's going to be delaying people and frustrating people from downloading it. At this rate that I gave you, it's pretty manageable. The files are not that huge. Potentially, they can even be passed around by email, and that's how I do it. You were just talking about how you upload it at 22,000 was it megahertz? Yeah. I discovered after much frustration because I was finding that my audios were sounding like chipmunks when I was using the flash. Yeah. And so I looked into it, and apparently, if you want to use streaming audio, it has to be divisible by 11,000. So I don't know how you phrase that, but 11,000 or 22,000 or 44,000. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And it also sound like a chipmunk. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that.
Is that what you're saving them at, the 22,050 megahertz? Usually, yeah, because that's a nice, happy medium. You know, it's not too big, not too small. Yeah, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with the quality. The quality is fine. You know, the people who complain about your audio quality, they're more interested in the quality. You've got to be able to listen to it. It can't be so bad that it's real distracting. But people really want the information, and a just good enough audio recording, I think, is fine. You can certainly go better, and I'll be the first one to say I probably should increase the quality, and I may do that soon, but for right now, it's working for me. Another thing, and I've heard this before, you know, when it sounds so good, it's kind of like, you know, a car salesman in a three-piece suit coming towards you, if it sounds so good. Sometimes when it doesn't sound just all perfect and professional, that's attractive to people because you're not out of the ordinary. It should sound like what it would sound like if you're talking on the phone. Okay. We'll go to question number 25. I have text-speaking software. Would I be able to use this program in the audio teleseminars? I don't really understand this question. Would he want to use text-speaking software by maybe typing out something and converting it into an audio file where it sounds like a robot? And I guess some are sounding pretty good. I don't really like those. I don't think I'd want to listen to something like that. So I would probably say I wouldn't recommend it. I'd say if you're afraid to do the audio or you don't want to do the audio, you can hire that service out and let someone do it for you because ultimately you want to get that message inside the head of a prospect and hopefully you have that audio because you want to sell something, you want to make some money from it. I think having that text converting software voice would detract from that. You're listening to an exclusive interview found on Michael Sinoff's hardtofindseminars.com. Okay, question number 26. Would it be best to have the audio in part? I think it is a good idea for a couple of reasons. Let's say you want to increase the value of a product. So let's say our teleseminar goes three hours. You know, if I just had it as one file, let's say I wanted to sell it later and I said, okay, if anyone's interested in buying this teleseminar, it's just one audio file or it's on one DVD, here it is. I could increase the value and break down the three-hour recording into maybe six 30-minute sections. So when you go to a website, you see part one, part two, part three, part four, part five, part six. It's easier to download and I think it gives it increased value by having it in parts. For the most part, if my interview is over 60 minutes, I'll do a part two. So if I have an interview that goes like with John Carlton, I think we went an hour and a half and I broke that up into two parts. If they really go long, I will make it. I try not to make it any more than an hour. At the most, no more than 70 minutes. Another reason is I'm pretty sure if you convert a digital MP3 file into an audio CD-ROM, I think the capacity on those CDs is 70 or 80 minutes. I think it's 70 minutes. So if you go over 70 minutes, you're going to have to get another CD. And if you're selling a physical product, that's going to cost you more money on the duplicating and the printing. I was just going to say something interesting about this that I've heard from Paul Hartunian. He does publicity stuff. And he's been on a lot of radio interviews, like two, 3,000 radio interviews. And he was saying how... He tries to keep his interviews at an hour or less. If it's going to go over an hour, he says, why don't we schedule another interview because people's attention starts to drop off at about an hour. I would agree. If I'm doing an interview and I've secured it and it's a pretty big name, I'll usually tell them to have 90 minutes available. If it's really going good and I'm not quite finished, like I'm just looking right now, we're on question 26 and it's 4.30 right now, I will try my best to keep going. I'll say, look, I'm not quite finished. Do you want to keep going or do you want to reschedule? I'll give them the 
choice, but sometimes you only have one time to get that interview. And I've had people say, we can keep going, and I'm able to get the whole interview. And I've had people say, we reschedule. And anyone who said that they would reschedule with me has honored that, and they've rescheduled. So either way will work. We're on question number 27. What is the best company to use for doing phone seminars? Okay, like I said at the beginning, I'm not an expert on these teleseminars. This is like my second major teleseminar. But what I'm using here is freeconferencecall.com, and I think the service is pretty good. I've used them for some group training calls with my HMA consultants, but I will have some additional resources at www.askmichaelsenoff.com forward slash resources. I do know of a couple. There's, I think, black and white community. Communications, which is at www.bwccom.com, okay, freeconferencecall.com. If you're doing large conference calls, you can rent a bridge line, and that's where you need a ton of callers, and that's at www.rentabridge.com. But I'll have these resources up on the resource page for anyone who needs them. Question number 28. This is a two-part question. First part is, Michael, what are the best methods when doing a live teleseminar series with multiple experts to get a high audio quality to repackage for sale later? And the second part of the question is, and what are the most important additions to make the package more valuable and attractive? I think the most important thing is delivering content that people want to hear. And I don't think this format you can ever go wrong if you have a list of potential prospects who are interested in a subject. Just look exactly what I did with the AskMichaelSinoff.com. I just asked you, if you had one chance to ask me any question on how to make more money with audio interviews, what would that one question be? And answer that. So the whole key to that is you're giving your listener exactly what they want. And there's other methods of doing that. Now, if anyone's interested in this Ask campaign, and it will be up on the resource, they can go to a website called www.askandrecord.com. That's askandrecord.com. And it's the exact same system that I use to develop this Ask campaign. But I would say making sure your audio delivers what your potential prospect or customer needs to hear about the subject of your interview. Another wonderful way in making your audio valuable and delivering it is making it easy. And I try and do this on my website. And there's something I'm going to start doing with all my audio recordings. And I'm going to be adding a replay line for each one of my audio recordings. You called in on this conference call, and it said, welcome to the conference call, and you press a code. Well, you'll press the code, and then you can instantly start listening to the replay of this teleconference. Now, on the AskMichaelSinoff.com forward slash replay, I will upload the three hours or however long it goes of this teleconference with a phone number replay. And I'm going to start doing this with all my other audio recordings because I want, and I think any interviewing experts, their goal should be able to offer that potential prospect or that listener as many different ways to digest your audio. You've got to give them choices. So I would say give them a choice by calling a phone number 
and listening to the whole audio on their phone. You know, anyone can call that number. They can put their phone on speaker, and their phone becomes a radio transmitter. With cell phones today, I bought a new little toy, a Verizon touchscreen storm. And when I talk on this phone, the speaker is so good, I usually talk on speaker mode. So with my cell phone, a lot of the cell phone browsers aren't able to play Flash. They haven't figured out how to get the mobile phones to play Flash. So I can't go to hard-to-find seminars through my browser on my cell phone and listen to any of the audio. Downloading it onto my cell phone is pretty hard because the files are so big for these cell phones. But I thought I could go to a page on my website with a phone number. And with this touchscreen Storm cell phone, I can just touch my finger on the phone number and then it will instantly dial the phone number. And then I can press my passcode, put my cell phone down, put it on speaker mode, and I can listen to an audio interview on my site. Now, there's millions and millions of these smartphones being sold. And I'm actually going to do an interview with an expert on marketing through these mobile phones. I think it's going to be a huge market. But make it easier for your prospects to listen. Now, I do this also by offering a MP3 download. I talked about hyperlinking the recording so someone can download the MP3 file and take it with them on the road. I have all the recordings transcribed. So I create a PDF transcript. There's a lot of people who hate listening to audio, but who are super fast readers. They're just used to reading. They can get through a transcript faster than audio. I offer those people who love listening to audio online. They can just play it online through the buttons we talked about at audioterminator.com. Now, I'm kind of competing with these people who think they can read faster than they can listen because I've created my first piece of software that's called speedupmymp3.com. And this is simple software. If you're out there listening to a lot of the audio recordings on my site, you know there's a lot of content. And you can digest this information without even realizing it. You can speed this stuff up 25, 30%, and you wouldn't even know. After a while, you can't even tell you're listening to it at a high speed. So what you do is you download the software onto your computer. You open up your Speed Up My MP3 software, and you load it into that, and you can convert the audio where it'll compress it and play it faster. So you may take an hour audio... And it may only take you 40 minutes to listen to it, but it won't sound like the chipmunks like you were talking about, Ben. The tone will be the same, but it'll be faster. It takes out a lot of the space. So once you convert it, you save that file in an accelerated format, and you can take it with you. So I'm trying to do more running. I'll go run down at the bay here in San Diego, and if I need to re-listen to audio or I'm studying content, I absolutely speed up my audio, and I'm able to blow through content. I'm listening to it comfortably about 165% faster, and it takes a little getting used to, but you can really blow through audio very quickly. So I've got a tool that allows you to speed up audio, and I'll have that URL at the resource page at askmichaelsenoff.com forward slash resource. Now, I also will offer the playback. Okay, the playback. You can take that speeded up audio, and I can upload it to the software to create the buttons, Audio Terminator, and I can put a button on my website that the people who want to listen online, they can press the play button, and it will play at that accelerated rate. So I've done that on a couple of my interviews on the John Carlton interview. I have the button that plays at an accelerated rate. And I looked at the stats. It was interesting. I wanted to see how many people downloaded the accelerated MP3 file compared to the normal file. And I had about 40% of the downloads for, like, the John Carlton and the Ted Nicholas interview where I offered both downloads, the accelerated rate and the normal rate, about 40% of those people downloaded the accelerated audio. 
So that should tell you something. It's just a valuable time-saving device. So by developing that software, I wanted to add more value for my listeners. And anyone who's going to create audio interviews with experts, you can get this piece of software. It's only 20 bucks, and you can convert all your audios and offer something to your listeners, something that no one else has that will separate you. You're really doing them a favor by offering them a way to save time. Another way is you can take your audio and put it on a CD-ROM. So there are still a lot of people with CD players in their car. You can create a CD-ROM, a physical CD-ROM, and you can mail it out. And this is a great way to capture information as well. And people can put that CD-ROM in their CD player. So having a physical CD and using the mail to deliver your message makes your audio more valuable and makes you different than others out there. You could take your transcripts and you can put them in a three-ring binder that you can pick up at Office Max or Staples for about a dollar and fifty cents. And you can put your CD in there, and you can put your transcripts and punch three holes in them. And so you can have a three-ring binder with your transcripts and a CD, and you can sell that. You can sell that for thirty, forty, fifty bucks, even a hundred bucks. So these are some of the things that I think that you could use, and that I try and use to add value for my listeners. Okay. We're going into the next section now, big dogs and big fish, finding experts to interview. Question number 29, where do you find the resources to gain access to the individuals that you would like to interview? Okay, great question. My answer isn't really going to amaze you, but it's really, really simple, and it's something that everyone listening on this call can do, and you just simply ask. You know, in your day-to-day life, you're encountering experts all the time, and you have the opportunity to say, hey, you know, you're really good at what you do. Would you be willing to do an interview with me? And that's exactly what I did when I got the interview with Mark Joyner. He was a subscriber on my Hard to Find Ads website, and I remember seeing the name come through that he signed up for Hard to Find Ads, and I think he actually emailed me and asked me a question about it. And then I emailed him back, and I said, I know who you are. Nice to meet you. And I answered his question. Then he emailed me back and thanked me. And I don't know if I just blatantly said, hey, would you be willing to do an interview for my site? I interviewed him first, and then he invited me to be interviewed for his Simpleology program. Another example, Mike Simonic, who is relatively unknown to probably most people listening. He was a million-dollar publisher, published a special effects cookbook. And I had a problem with one of my websites, and he emailed me. And I just said, hey, how you doing? I think he called me on the phone. And he said, hey, I'm having problems logging in here. You know, what's the deal? And I helped him out. And I just said, hey, you know, what do you do? And he says, well, I'm a publisher, and I publish this special effects cookbook. And that sounded really cool. He sold a million copies of it. I mean, a real millionaire self-publisher. His idol was Ted Nicholas, and he's been interviewed in a lot of papers and stuff. But I said, would you be willing to do an interview? And he let me interview him. Bob Bly, I emailed. Ben, you and I, I emailed you. I remember seeing your newsletter before we even met, and I said, this guy is a good copywriter. You sounded like Gary Albert. And I think I emailed you first, or I'm pretty sure, or maybe you emailed me first. I can't remember. But a simple email or a phone call. Now, I do have a little bit of a secret weapon for some of my higher-profile interviews. For more interviews like this, go to hardtofindseminars.com.
there's a guy who's been on my website, who's been a customer of mine, and who's known about my audios for many years. And I won't mention the name, because he is kind of my secret weapon. And he's a PR expert. And he has built his PR business and has a lot of famous clients. And he approached me, and he says, hey, how would you like to interview Vic Conan? He was instrumental in me getting the interview with Bill Bartman, Tom Hopkins, Alex Mandosian, John Carlton, Ted Nicholas, and some other top experts. So, look, he's a PR expert. His job is to get his clients PR. And having an interview with Michael Sinnell's HardToFindSeminars.com is good PR for his clients. I'm doing him the favor. So any time he has a good client, he's going to refer that client to me, and it's just a no-brainer. It's just an understanding that the client's paying him probably a monthly fee to provide PR services. He's in the business to get them exposure and to get them media time and to get them interviews. It's understood when you pay a PR guy that he's going to go out there and get you interviews. So by the time he sets the interview up, there's no convincing anyone that I'm an expert. If I just had one interview on my website, the guy would probably still do the interview based on the referral from his PR expert. Now, anyone out there There are a lot of PR experts, and sometimes these PR experts don't deliver. But if you approach them and position yourself as a good resource for getting a client or a promoter who has a product or service, good media time, and good exposure, there's no reason that PR expert wouldn't refer their clients to you. So find out the big names and find out who does their PR. Ask for their PR department. Email their PR department. It may go right to the boss, but if you put attention PR department, you'll get it to the right people. So that's my little secret weapon, and I've relied on him for some of the big names. I've never really gone outside of him. I still could. I'm in the works. I've got another high-profile media person who's going to be securing me some real high-profile interviews, which I'm excited about. And all you got to do is find those PR people and have something of value and give a good interview, and we'll talk about what's in it for them. But it's basically free advertising. Okay. Question number 30. What are the exact detailed steps to go through to get a, quote, big name to do an interview with me? Someone who is just starting in the industry and has no credibility or influence whatsoever. Okay. What I would do is think about my PR expert guy. My PR expert guy doesn't sell information products. He has a basic website about his PR services. He doesn't have a huge list, but he's like a promotional broker. So even when I was first starting out and I didn't have many interviews, I had a few interviews. You know, Now it's easier for me because I have a lot of proof. When someone goes to my website, they see all these interviews. So I will say it's definitely easier. Okay, I mean, it's really easy now because I've got all these interviews behind me. But I didn't always have these interviews. I mean, I had to get that first interview and second interview and third interview. So you've got to position yourself kind of like a PR expert. And we talked about why do people hire PR experts. They want media. They want airtime. They want promotion. They want clients. They want advertising. An interview for them is free advertising. You have to represent your potential, meaning there's no guarantee in life. If I approached you, Ben, and I didn't have any credibility, didn't have a mailing list, and I said, Ben, I got this idea. I am putting together this book with a compilation of audio interviews on the world's greatest copywriters. And let's say I was able to talk to you on the phone, and you heard the passion in my voice, and I'm planning on interviewing you, Bob Bly, Clayton Makepeace, Joe Vitale, 
John Carlton, Ted Nicholas, you guys are my dream interviews. And you're going to be in the book, and I'm going to interview you, and the transcripts are going to be in the book. And I plan on getting this up on Amazon. I'm going to build a website. I'm going to do joint ventures. I'm going to promote this like you wouldn't believe. And you know that that interview is only going to take about an hour of your time. Would you consider doing an interview with me? I think somebody would be crazy not to just because what do you have to lose? I mean, as long as people that are in your market are going to be reading that book, you can't lose. Exactly. You really don't know what I'm going to do. Let's say if I approach you now and you looked at my site, it would be a no-brainer, but you can sell potential. Okay, it's the same thing. That example, you're publishing a book with top experts on this subject. It won't be out to next fall. Think about all the books and publishers that compile interviews when they approach these experts. They're just selling potential. There's no guarantee that that book is even going to sell. As a matter of fact, what, 90% of them really don't sell. Most books out there, interview compilation books, fail. So there's a whole lot of people who have given interviews for books that probably didn't get that much media from it, but you never know. So you sell your potential. You can approach someone and say, I'm doing a story on an expert in the marketing field. It will be promoted worldwide on the Internet. Are you open to participating? Why wouldn't you? Especially someone paying a PR expert, that's pretty telling. They need more customers. They want more exposure. See, the problem in our marketing world is distribution. How do you get your message distributed out there? There are so many people out there. Everyone wants more distribution, and that's what you approaching someone to do an interview represents. It represents potential distribution. And with the Internet, once it's up on the Internet, you never know who's going to pick up on it. So there's no guarantees. You know, we're all business people. They understand it may go well, it may not. All they have to do is trade an hour's worth of their time and give you the rights to promote it. It's a win-win situation. So position yourself that way and just be willing to ask, and you should not have a problem. And there's tremendous power if you have someone else ask for you. I mean, even if it's a family member or a friend, like they're your assistant, as long as they're positioned as someone who works with you, it's not you. There's just tremendous power in having a third party do the asking. There has been, and you reminded me because we talked about this. I had an assistant that I hired for a couple months, and her job was to do nothing but book me interviews. I was kind of in an interview mode. And it is kind of nerve-wracking asking for interviews. If I'm asking, it could be nervous for me to ask for the interview. You know, I may get turned down. I'm like anyone else. But I hired this assistant, and I didn't have to deal with that. I said, here's your job. Your job is to approach these experts, and I gave her a list, and you're the personal assistant for Michael Sinoff at hardtofindseminars.com, and Michael Sinoff would like to interview you for you know, a month in November or December or whatever. And that was very powerful, just like you said, because it wasn't me asking. It was someone else asking, and it was great positioning for myself, and she was real successful. That month, we did a ton of interviews. I mean, I was so busy doing interviews and editing and audio that I had to take a breather from it for a while. She got me so much stuff, I didn't use her for the third month. I'll put it that way. I couldn't keep up. So, yes, you could be a nothing, but you could position yourself by having a personal assistant call and schedule these interviews for you. And with phone systems today, people don't know. With a website, you could project a beautiful image. You know, they have no idea really what your company or your business is like. And I'm not saying lie or deceive anyone, but, you know, just go for it. Okay. Question number 31. What are some scripts for attracting superstar interviews to agree to an interview? Example, what's in it for them to want to play? 
Well, basically, I've mentioned this already. What's in it for them is free advertising, it's free publicity, it's free exposure, it's free distribution. They do trade a little bit of their time for it, but it's basically free. It's easy for them. You're not asking them to write the interview, to write it out. I get approached where people say they'd like to do an interview with me, and they submit me maybe 20 questions that I have to write the answers to. I'm not going to do that. That takes way too long. It's hard to write. It's easy to do an interview. So it's not a big deal for an expert to do an interview. And plus, people love to talk about themselves. Whoever's listening, you know, whatever expertise you're in, whatever you're passionate about, how many people do you really know who just love talking about what you love? So having someone who's really interested in being willing to listen and let you brag and talk about yourself, you know, people will do it free just for that. So these are some reasons why people will do an interview. And the higher profile people, generally, they're the nicest people out there. You know, there may be some cases that they weren't nice. They're professionals. They're really nice. And the real experts, they like helping people out. You know, they probably struggled from the beginning. They could probably see you in them when they were getting started. People like to help other people. Even if you said, can you help me out? I'm a nobody. I got no website. But I want to do something with this interview. Would you honor me to let me interview and spend an hour on the phone with you? And you'd be surprised. All you got to do is ask. Sometimes, I'm not saying to try to trick anybody or mm -hmm. anything, but maybe you'll say it's only going to be 20 minutes, but, you know, you know once they get into it, they're probably going to want to keep going. Well, I think once you get them to agree to the interview, then you can kind of go over the outline of what's going to happen and you set the criteria. I guess if they're super busy, yeah, you could go over. You could go over or you can make an agreement with them. Hey, we're scheduled for 20 minutes. If it goes over, would you be willing to do a part two with me? And they may say yes or they may say no. Even if you got a very high-profile person just to do 20 minutes, that's valuable. It could be 20 minutes of a couple great ideas. But what else is really valuable? It could be the name. Okay, being able to use their name on your website or in your promotion, that name can lead you to another interview. You know, I interviewed John Carlton. I bet I can go get an interview with Clayton Makepeace. Hey, Clayton, I'm Mike Snob. I've interviewed John Carlton, Bob Bly, Joe Vitale, a couple other copywriters, which he knows. Would you like to be part of the copywriting interview series? Why would he say no? Yeah, so you can use your interview as social proof to climb up to higher and higher levels. Definitely. Okay, question number 32. What is the best inducement to have someone agree to give an interview? Free advertising? I mean, I guess that yeah, I put that in there, and we've talked about that. Free advertising, potential clients, potential sales, potential exposure and distribution for a little time on their part. You know, it's like getting something for nothing almost. It's like they almost really don't have to do anything but talk about themselves, which is so easy, and they're going to get something, you know, for free. Question number 33. Michael, I've started a membership site in which I offer video and audio interviews from successful professionals in the niche field I work in. How do I get the big dogs to participate without having to pay them? My field is chiropractic, and there are some people I would like to interview, like Dr. John, but his fee per hour is more than I want to pay. Okay, here's the can't fail way. I would tell them that you want to become an affiliate. Now, 
I did this, even though my PR guy did set me up with John Carlton, Ted Nicholas, and Alex Mandosian, I may not have gotten the interviews with Ted Nicholas and Mandosian and John Carlton if I didn't tell them that I wanted to do an interview and promote them, but I wanted to sign up as an affiliate. As a matter of fact, I signed up as an affiliate after I was introduced to them with John Carlton. I signed up with his affiliate manager, and he helped me set the final interview up. And the same thing with Ted Nicholas. So... I signed up in his affiliate. I had a website that has interviews in it, and they could see that that's the way I promote. And then I think that really helped me secure the interview and for them to get out their date book and pencil me in because I was serious. I'm already signed up as an affiliate, and that interview was going to mean potential money in their pocket from their products. Now, Ted Nicholas sold a membership site. Now, Alex Mandosian, I promoted his Teleseminar Secrets. And then John Carlton, the same thing. I promoted him at the end of the interview to his kick-ass copywriting secrets line of products. So you can approach someone, and if you don't have anything, you can say, I want to sell for you. I want to become a salesman. You fill out their affiliate information. If they don't have an affiliate site, say, I really like what you're doing. I'd like to help promote and sell your products and services. And every business out there would love to have a good salesman enthusiastically selling their product or service. Why would they say no to that? So I think that would be a great angle for someone to approach to do that. So with Dr. D. Martini, he's putting on seminars all over the world. I'm sure if you contacted his office and said, how can I promote Dr. D. Martini's seminars? And then you would get that information. And then once you have that, you could say, Dr. D. Martini, I'm promoting your seminars all over the world. I'd like to request an interview with you to help me accelerate that or to help me do that better. That's one idea. For more exclusive interviews on business, marketing, advertising, and copywriting, go to Michael Senoff's hardtofindseminars.com. This is the end of Part 3. Please continue to Part 4.